Today's program has been brought to you by Hearst Ranch, the nation's largest single-source supplier of free-range, all-natural, grass-fed, and grass-finished beef. For more information, visit HearstRanch.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to Weedic Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. We are Groundworks, Inc. I'm Carmen DeVito. And I'm Alice Marcus-Krieg. And we design, install, and maintain gardens in and around New York City. And today we go underground. Yes, because we (laughs) have been absent from radio for several months. Yes. We installed many gardens, and I had a baby, and here we are now. We're back. It's good to be back. It is good. It's really good to be back. Our inaugural show. Yes, and... For our inaugural show, we have two friends with us um, for the first show of the season, Tom Pearson and Janine Willett-Millman. They are two of the three founders of Third Rail Projects New York City, and they're here with us to discuss our recent collaboration with them on a temporary garden installation for Then She Fell, an immersive piece of theater that is being created and performed right here in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, or is that Bushwick? East Williamsburg. East Williamsburg. East Williamsburg. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, Third Rail Projects New York City is a Bessie Award-winning dance company. Those of you who don't know what a Bessie is, it's basically Oscars of dance, right? It's like the highest award you can get. For dance and performance. For dance in and New York performance. City. That's right. So they've won that. Um, and they've performed all over the world, creating site-specific dance and performance pieces that engage and thrill audiences. So welcome to the show, Tom and Janine. Thank you. Thank you. So, tell us what inspired this work and how it's evolved into this kind of immersive theater experience. Site-specific dance. Right. Um, well, we've been working for many years on recontextualizing dance and performance for our audiences to try and get it out into, um, into the public sphere in a bigger way um, to really engage more people and get them out to see work they wouldn't normally see. And in doing that, we've experimented with a lot of site-specific work, um, immersive theater experiences, art installations. And for us, this project is really um, bringing all of those things together. And we, I think we began thinking about this piece a few years back when we were on a rooftop in Hong Kong. And it seemed like we were in a very liminal <laughs> space at the moment. And we were thinking, like, what, what could we do that had the sort of cultural cachet and really focused on this idea of liminality. We wanted something that was able to bring together all the formats that we work in, all of the media, and also to um, sort of attack something that really had a lot of theatrical conflict already and Mm -hmm. a lot of uh, was already very much embedded in the cultural consciousness. And thinking about conflict and liminality and um, cultural attachment 
we landed on the works of Lewis Carroll, the works and life of Lewis Carroll, which seemed very ripe material for this. Mm-hmm. That's actually why I was named Alice. That was my father's favorite book growing up. But anyway, so tell us about the setting for this particular piece, because that's that's really a, a huge part of each of your pieces. Uh, well, the setting for the piece is the former outpatient wing of what was the Greenpoint Hospital. Mm-hmm. And now it um, it has been sort of turned into an art space mm-hmm. and has amazing architectural details, uh, particularly um, the shower room, which is... Yes, you know, tell us about the shower room and what happens in the shower room. <laughs> right. I don't want you to give away too much, but... So this too. is, just to reiterate, yeah. this is an abandoned hospital. Yes. An abandoned hospital in East Williamsburg, Brooklyn. It was once yes. abandoned. It, it's yes. actually part of St. Nick's Alliance, which is a community organization that has um, taken over several campuses or several buildings within the, the original Greenpoint Hospital campus. And the program that actually runs the space that we're in is called Arts at Renaissance. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it's still... A working it, it's hospital. A, it's, it's not a working hospital, but it, it's it's coming back from abandonment and okay. being repurposed, and we're thrilled to be part of that repurposing. Right. Um, but so it, the but architecture it's has a lot of it's, purpose and history. Yeah, it's still very much and relationship. Hospitalness. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's hospitalness. <laughs> the, the communal, so, so the communal shower room is basically as it was. I mean, mm-hmm. not functional, but big, open, tiled. Yes. You it's, know. Well, it. It speaks the most of what was the hospital because the hospital was in operation from 1914 to 1982 mm-hmm. wow. and then was no longer used. And the when we first went into the space, the shower room really sort of encompassed what it was, the, the sort of institutional green tile, right. yeah. the remnants of former fixtures. Mm-hmm. Um, it also has six huge windows and windowsills and drains and stalls and and to us that was a very resonant room mm-hmm. and we chose to really leave it as it is because it, it just was filled with enough so we've chosen to just use one uplight and also use the ambient light that comes in from the courtyard uh-huh um, and then also there there's another component now that's been added which is the garden which now sort of has an exterior element that you're seeing when you're within the shower room. You're seeing the, you know, the plants that are hanging vertically from the window grates on the outside on one side, and then through the window you're seeing the courtyard, mm-hmm. which has a beautiful, more structured garden. So let's talk for a second. I, I want to kind of just get our listeners up to speed. Let's talk about the relationship between Lewis Carroll, Alice in Wonderland, Then She Fell, Your Peace, and the hospital, and how those all kind of conceptually tie together? Um, that's a big question. <laughs> um, I know. Well, conceptually, they hopefully they do tie together. But yeah, yeah the, um, the, the piece itself for us, the real like sort of nugget of, of what it is, is about duality, and it's about um, internal conflict. It's about opposing desires um which is manifest in all of the texts is manifest in the writer mm-hmm. the real alice alice little um their relationship and then um for for us thematically we've been working on that material for about two years and and kind of unpacking what those characters and those relationships mean and 
then where it becomes site-specific for us is when it finally meets its space and the hospital becomes the framework. And what happens there is is that the the hospital adds this whole other layer. It's saying something entirely different than what we are, but it's part of the same conversation. Mm -hmm. And to put these characters in this conflict within an institution like a hospital with all of its connotations, it just heightens... All that conflict. It heightens all of the conflict. Exactly. And it raises a lot of other questions. Are uh-huh. these real people? Are they ghosts? Is it an institution? What kind of institution? Mm-hmm. And suddenly every choice you make is framed and recontextualized through the space. And the choreography, the movement, everything within it is is made specifically for the walls and the rooms and the hallways of the space. So mm-hmm. it's all gelling in that way. Um and also the other component being site-specific and then the interactive component. Let's talk about that a little bit. What are some of the ways that the audience will interact with the performers? Each person's going to have a kind of individualized experience, right? Um, th- well, being that it's immersive theater, it really it really is immersive on so many levels. There, There is some interactive components in terms of participatory experiences where the audience will sit down at a table with us. We're also serving them um, elixirs and food. There's there's a lot of... <laughs> elixir is the right word. I love elixir. Yeah. There's a lot of consuming in this. I mean, there you know, the eat me, drink me moments in the book are really important and uh-huh. we wanted to invoke that. So we're working with a, um, a beverage consultant and sommelier, Sarah Sattel, who um, has partnered with our... Our, our wine sponsors, Macari Vineyards and mixologist Kathy Hubler from uh, Wong Restaurant. Mm-hmm. And she's concocted these amazing, um, like, just amazing elixirs. Um, one based on a white, one based on a red. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe they're called the Siren and the Bombshell. And, um, <laughs> and they, <laughs> The Bombshell <laughs> has, they, they all have very different effects and they're meant to have different, you know, their secret ingredients along the rim of the Siren that numbs your lips before you consume this thing while you're reading about something perhaps that is talking about the numbing sensation. So it's, it's e- even the taste experiences are partnered with the actual performance components. We're mm-hmm. also working with um, chefs from Casa Lula to, um, to create a sweet and a savory option in the piece. So if you're lucky and you end up in the right scenes, you'll get to consume things with us in uh-huh. the performance. So there is that, I mean, which is highly interactive. Uh-huh. There's also just different ways of viewing the piece through different apertures, up close and personal, one-on-ones in, in very tiny uh, spaces. Um, and uh, there's the sense of smell. There's a sense of touch. There's uh-huh. there's a little bit of everything in here. Uh-huh. And, um, and you're also given a ring of skeleton keys when you come in. So you're given basically the tools you need to unlock the spaces that you go into to find more and however willing you are to explore then you know you're going to get more and more out of it yeah and carmen and i were very willing to partner with you um about (laughs) about and create help you create some of these rooms so to speak so carmen and i um were asked to contribute um some design and some plant material to fulfill some of this interactive um uh, environment mm-hmm. and um, and uh, it was it was lovely. We created a um, a center courtyard garden and we used lots of really great plants. Carmen, why don't you talk for a second about some of the plants that you chose? Yes. Um, well, you know, most of the gardens that we make 
have to be semi-permanent. <laughs> if we're lucky, they last a long time. And what was really great about being asked to participate in this was that it was going to be something so different from what we usually do. And it didn't have to be botanically correct. It didn't have to last a long time. It could be whimsical and fun. And when Alice and I met with Tom and Zach and Janine, we we really wanted we wanted to make sure that the garden aspect, which is the first things that you see, the, you know, you go down this long staircase, this narrow corridor. Into this basement. Into this basement, and then into this open courtyard. You're not even in the space yet. You're not even in the building yet. So we wanted to make sure that it was connected in some way. Um, so we chose, we went back to sort of Lewis Carroll's period, you know, historically, the Victorian age, which is when, you know, tons of new and weird plants came from all over the empire back to the UK and people, the Victorians were into plants. They were excited about plants. They, they had their, their Wardian cases, their ferns, their palms. So we wanted to create, we wanted to kind of bring them in right away into that time period, make them feel like they've left Bushwick immediately. Yeah. You know? Actually, let me, I've got a great yeah. quote from Alice in Wonderland. It starts, um, Curiouser and curiouser, cried Alice. She was so much surprised that for the moment she quite forgot how to speak good English. Now I'm opening out like the largest telescope that ever was. Goodbye, feet. For when she looked down at her feet, they seemed to be almost out of sight. They were getting so far off, which is exactly what we are trying to... to um, fulfill that mission of, of leaving. It, yeah, leaving your usual world, going down this path, and then when you come out of the of the staircase in the narrow corridor where there's ferns and uh, scented flowers, we had jasmine and mint and different things. So again, relating to the multi-sensory experience that they have in the piece, you're suddenly in this open courtyard and there's this yellowish light, you know, these like sodium halide floodlights that's 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 kind of yellow and, and you know, not not bright, kind of foggy almost. And then we created this very formal gravel garden surrounded by boxwood and privet, which is very English and, and traditional. So that's something that people don't expect to see there. And espaliered apples. And espaliered apples, which are kind of contorted, and maybe they'll come alive. Maybe, you know, people don't know. Like, once you go through that, and then there's this urn with a red rose and a white rose, and it looks like they're on the same plant, which is kind of botanically abnormal, you know? So what's real, what's not real? People have to pass through this passage, and then they go in to your space. So it was exciting to, to be able to do that and to to create something very, you know, special and magical. Yeah. You know. And enchanting. It, it really mm-hmm. is an opportunity for us to create an enchanting space rather than... Um, utilitarian. A, a utilitarian. You know, place. it's not utilitarian. There's no soil there. There's nowhere to really plant. Right. Right? Well, I, we knew, we, knew um, <laughs> we really wanted this to happen, this collaboration with Groundworks, and I'm really happy that it did because we... Um, you know, we wanted to go with someone who who we knew had a a real artistic sensibility and a real um, commitment to thematically linking with what we were doing inside. And it's very important because the garden is the first thing you come into and it's the last thing you leave through for right. this performance. So all of the conflict has to be present in that. It has to be reflective of the theme and it is the first and last threshold that you pass through, um, especially the the very first corridor. 
What do you think, Janine? I mean, I know Tom and Alice and I are all plant geeks, you know? <laughs> like, we, <Yeah. laughs> we're like, I think I describe myself as a plant fetishist, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so I, I have definite, I have a definite, and you know, all of us who are really into plants, we're, we have a definite idea about it. But coming from your perspective, what do you think about wh- how it turned out? I think it's pretty amazing. Um, last Thursday, you know, we left, I left the space that night and, the courtyard was empty and barren and went up the hallway and then Friday when I came back and I got to the gate at the top of the stairs and it was like magic it was just amazing it's like a tunnel that is the rabbit hole and Mm -hmm. the tropical plants and the smells and the ways that the ferns are coming out of the drain pipes it seems like the garden just organically came out of the building that's and kind of what we what we're trying to do, you yeah. know. Curiouser and, and curiouser. Yeah. yeah, it's it's really magical. And then when you make your way through the the corridor, and you come into the the actual courtyard, you see something that feels very Red Queen formal Victorian structured. So to me, the corridor is sort of my space as the White Queen. Uh huh. It is where I inhabit, and the the sort of wildness and tropical smells and lavishness that sort of feels very decadent. Uh huh. And then the the courtyard feels a little more Red Queen, and then eventually, I think in my shack, there'll be more more of the the corridor that mm-hmm. sort of comes into the space that I I inhabit. Right. Right. So let's talk for a second about Lewis Carroll's relationship with Alice and how that broadly kind of figures into this piece. Well, when we started working on this piece, we all picked up different biographies of Lewis Carroll Mm -hmm. and we were reading and studying about him. And he was quite an amazing person. Like he really he was a logician. He was a a don and a deacon at Christ Church, Oxford. He was a professor of math. he he was just a very interesting person. He had a sort of a very um, enchanting and playful personality. Children often got along very well with him. He was just kind of magical. And his relationship with Alice and the little family, um, he, he thought of the entire Alice story while he was on a boat. He just told her the story, and that became Alice in Wonderland. And that mm-hmm. was just a story that he wrote for her. And he also photographed her. Yes. And um, we talked earlier about, you know, the idea of uh, photographing children was sort of a, a fad in Victorian society. And right. it it seems like it's a paradox that today something like that is a little taboo right. and sort of creepy. Right. But right. at that time, it was completely the rage and families sought after people who would photograph their children. Uh-huh. And Lewis Carroll happened to be quite a good one. And he maybe because he was also disarming and he was playful himself and childlike himself that children really responded well and the photographs he took of them were beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but apart from that, he also just I had a relationship with Alice. Mm-hmm. And her mother, Lorena Little, at, at some point something happened and we call it sort of the breaking event. But from that point forward, he had no relationship with the Little family. And coincidentally, all of the material from his journals and diaries just disappeared from that day forward it's all just gone so no one really knows what happened to create this sort of split if it was maybe he asked her to marry who knows we don't we don't know we don't we will we'll never know. yeah right but it's kind of fascinating yeah. Okay, we have to take a break right now. I'm getting I'm getting the signal. <laughs> um, 
hang on. You're listening to We Dig Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. And when we come back, we'll continue our discussion with Tom Pearson and Janine Willett-Millman of Third Whale Project NYC. Stay tuned. grass-fed beef pasture raised on 150,000 acres in Central California Hearst Ranch grass-fed beef free-range, sustainably produced humane Hearst Ranch grass-fed beef the authentic flavor of the American West Welcome back to We Dig Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. Um, we are here with Tom Pearson and Janine Willett-Millman of Third Rail Projects talking about going down the rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> we are here with the White Queen and the White Rabbit, right? That's right. White teams in the yes, house. White the White team. teams in the house. <laughs> so I want to talk to you. I want to hear, Tom, about your role um, in the piece and... How, what what the rabbit does in the piece and how he how he interacts with the environment and with the audience right well the rabbit was hard um because it's an animal and um that's always very tricky to figure out how we're going to attend to that like am i going to be in a bunny suit or <laughs> actually that was never on the table yeah. no but, i don't um, think so <laughs> what big teeth wait what big teeth you have yeah but um I, I think early on and this was particularly resonant for me figuring out my character was to look at the way they function in the world and really develop from you know our characteristics from from what they do um, which is very action-based. It's a very theatrical approach. But but um, within these texts, the idea of the white rabbit serving the red queen, he's an agent of, of the red team, but he there's nowhere in there that it indicates that he loves his job or is really like committed to it. It's just this is the thing he's late for. Um, it's the most important thing in the world. <laughs> you know, it's like he, he's punctual, he's, except he's not. But, you know, the idea is that he's, he's trying to be ordered, he's trying to serve the Red Queen, and then he's also this animal that's sort of almost like a totem animal that leads folks into this world, Alice in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, and our audience, we want to have an Alice-like experience, so it's crafted in that way. So for me, I, I'm my main conflict in this world is my allegiance. You know, there's a red team and a white team in a way, and I'm a white rabbit. There's a white queen. There's like, you know, there's <laughs> yeah. there's definitely something that we could that's not in the books that we're looking at. You know, and that's all I'm going to say about that. But um, <laughs> but I do serve the red queen, and it's a very abusive relationship. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but my 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 role has changed over time. It was it was very much to order the world, and then when it got channeled through our steampunk haunted house last year, because it's developed over time in different formats. 
he became a very Gestapo bunny. Um, and now he's loosened up a little bit in that regard, but he's still very much in, uh, you know, concerned with order right. and, and maintaining his status and position in this world. But Tom, you wear, you wear several hats. We, we have to do a little full disclosure here. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. We've worked with Tom um, in our gardening business for several years. So when you approached us to collaborate in some way on this project, we were so super thrilled. It was, like Carmen said, like nothing uh, of our normal work. It was, mm-hmm. it was very different and theatrical. And, um, and it didn't have to make horticultural sense. And that's, what's, that's what our relationship with Tom is. It's always this horticultural <laughs> relationship. But So yeah. it was fun to kind of go into a different drink-me sort of moment and, and be a rabbit, so to speak, for me and Carmen to do something totally different. Right. So, because yeah. um, usually we geek out with plants, you know, mm-hmm. we go out there and we're like, "Oh my god, I want that! I want that! I want that!" And we talk about our plants, and we we text photos about each other's plants to each right. other, like right. they're our children. Like we get excited when something's in bloom, or you know, we right. call that botanizing. Botanizing, yeah. right? <laughs> yes. So, in a way, in a way, like Carmen and I were kind of Lewis Carroll-ish in in the children fascination and like. But but with plants, you know, and this was a very Victorian kind of idea. So let's talk for a second about the Victorian era of plants, since this is We Dig Plants. Well, they certainly, you know, I mean, I, I, you think of the Victorians as corseted, you know, and controlled and proper and, you know, manners. And, you know, this is an age where they had several, several hundred different kinds of serving utensils at a meal, you know. Mm-hmm. And yet, to me, the plant aspect of it, that, that consuming, that all-consuming passion and building glass houses and, you know, to Plants me, coming from other countries. And also being exotic and kind of sexy. Do you know what I mean? It, they're not controlled. They're not, you know, they're, they're loose. And I, I think it was a way for the Victorians, this is my own pop psychology opinion, of getting loose. They couldn't get loose in other ways, but they could go into the glass house, they could go into the orangery and be exotic and be free you know what i mean and that's kind of the dichotomy between the white and the red of the um of the queens so do you want to speak on the white queen behalf sure Uh, dichotomy it is (laughs) yeah (laughs) we we looked and talked about the sort of dionysian apollonian dichotomy and Uh that the white queen in the book she her character is very different um she is sort of haggard and old, and, and she lives backwards. And we decided to really look at the living backwards component mm-hmm. and also look at her as being this sort of frenzied, undisciplined person who, who completely disregards social mores and social practice in the Victorian times. So she's a complete contrast, and she is like a hurricane. Mm-hmm. And she also represents, you know, decadence and ecstasy and indulgence and she takes pleasure in sharing that with other people mm-hmm. <laughs> so so we just i like the twist that we sort of built like what we did with the white rabbit we sort of made those characters our own uh-huh and we looked at the 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 idea of living backwards and what that means and we decided we would just apply that to falling in love and what does that mean if you are falling in love backwards Right. While someone is falling in love with you forwards. Right. Well, that's like that. Um, what What was that movie? Benjamin Button? Yeah. You know, right? <laughs> Who wrote that? Um, 
I don't know. Lewis Carroll. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) But right, that idea of living backwards. Right. I hope I'm with you during the performance. You you will be. I think everybody gets a little bit of some of us. Oh, okay. Everybody gets to have a little decadence with me. Mm -hmm. And it's a small, let let me just, so that the audience knows, it's a small um, group per performance, right? It's only 15. 15. And you're sold out for the month of October. We're sold out for the run, but there are a few things that open up now and again. And if, yeah. If you the, go to the website. <laughs> if you do, if you go to <laughs> thenshefell.com and join our mailing list, you'll be the first to hear about it. Um, when things become available, we've been able to add some shows, uh, which we did in those. Yeah, you've had to well. extend the season. We have. You sold out, I mean, really quickly. About a month in advance, yeah, actually. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. That's like Broadway level. Yeah. I don't know what happened, (laughs) but we're happy. Well, Um, you guys have a huge following because you have great performances. Well, I have a question. Mm -hmm. All right. We know we talked about this multi-sensory. We know it's not a haunted house at all. And and what happens if an audience member freaks out and they need an escape valve? What's the plan? Uh. We have. How do you crawl out? How do you crawl out of the hole? Basically, (laughs) there is no crawling out, but you can. You can be removed. You're ejected. Um, You're airlifted. (laughs) We have. We have spoken as the white rabbit. We have methods in place. In case someone. I mean, I don't. You know, people won't know what to expect. That's what's amazing about it. I think there's no. There's no one jumping out and going boo. There's no surprise tactics within this. No, it's it's much more subtle. It, it's it's more it, it's haunted in a really genuine way. Like it's haunted by its past. It's haunted by its, it's an interior haunting. Mm-hmm. It's right, but it's not a haunted house. And no. It's, no, no, it's not no. set up to be. It's not meant no. to scare no. you. But if you step, if, if if you press on somebody's button somehow, like that, they just you know claustrophobic moment mm-hmm. or um, you know that right. kind of thing, they can. Yeah, well, that that that's the advantage of being site specific artists and having worked in the public is we know how to respond to those things yeah. and we've practiced responding to those things and we can collaborate with our audience if we need to on, on <laughs> yes, those aspects. Yes. And it's adults only. It is. Yes. It's 18 plus. Yeah. yeah, so it's not Carmen, for children. Let, let's, I want you to read your passage that I you don't know if we have from time. From the Garden of Flowers. Oh, are we out of time? I think so. I'll post it on um, on our blog and on our website. Okay. Because I don't think we have time, unfortunately. We have to wrap it up. But if you want to just give the any other information about the performance or any links that you want to share, Tom um, or Janine? Just the website, thenshefell.com. If you go there, you can find everything. That's that's the rabbit hole into information. And there's lots of blogging that you guys are doing we about are. the We're setup doing of a the lot, show. Talking a lot about the elixirs, the drinks, the food, the gardens, all the different aspects. What is and, the ticket price, Tom, right um, now? The tickets range from 65 to 85 Okay, um, and, and that includes the drinks. And, that includes you know. everything. It includes the full performance, several uh, elixirs within the performance. And how and long is the performance approximately? It's roughly two hours. It's just wow. under two hours. Yeah, that's that's a long time. That's okay. a that's a good that's a good amount of time. Yeah. Well, thanks guys for joining <laughs> yes. us. Third Rail Projects. Thanks Thank for, for having, having us. New thank York you. City. Go ahead. Um, thank you for listening to Weeding Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. Um, thank you. Uh, our Jack sponsor, and Joe. Jack and Joe, our producers and engineers. Thank you, Hearst Ranch, for meat <laughs> and for sponsoring us. Um, you can leave comments. Uh, we want to know your thoughts about our show. You can join our Facebook fan page, Groundworks Inc. We Dig Plants. And thank you for listening. See you in the garden.
Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes Store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.